you know, about, about 10 years ago, um, there was a, a holiday gag gift um, that had become surprisingly popular. The idea was to prey on people's desire for quick riches and the idea that a sudden windfall was the key to, to happiness. So, so people would buy fake lottery tickets as gifts, fake scratch-off tickets indicating that you would just won $10,000 $5,000 and they would give them to friends or family members and then they would videotape their expressions. First, the celebration and excitement of learning that you had just won $25,000 and then the anger and frustration that was expressed when the truth was revealed that it was a fake ticket. Is that not just about the worst thing you've ever heard? That is so mean. That is incredibly mean. True story. In what has been a very difficult and challenging calendar year of 2020 for very many people, I wonder if people sometimes feel like that is what has happened to them. Life gave them a lottery ticket that looked promising, but the promise has proven to be empty. A little over 2,700 years ago, in what was then very difficult and challenging times, the voice of the prophet Isaiah confronts the empty promise of holiday celebrations with the promise of the greatest gift ever given, the promise of the coming Messiah, the gift of hope. This is Isaiah 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's good news. <laughs> That's good news right there. We need to hear that. Notice that this gift of hope is given in our worst moment. Verse 2 says, the people walking in darkness. So from God's perspective, the world is at its worst moment, darkness. Darkness is what results when there is failure, right? There's failure in the garden when obedience was all that was required. There's the failure in the desert when the law proved to be too difficult. There was failure in the land when one God isn't enough, there's failure in the kingdom when a theocracy isn't enough. There's the failure of the prophets when God's voice wasn't enough. When it has come to restoring a right relationship between fallen man and God, every plan in history, every single one that has depended on us has ended in failure. Every one. Failure and misery. Isaiah describes us as those walking in darkness, which means there's no clear path, 
There's no way out. There's no direction. There's no answer. Living under the shadow of death, he writes in his prophecy. You, you remember that old 60s song from Paul Simon, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Darkness and oppression was the context into which Isaiah spoke this prophecy. And many folks today, many folks around the holidays in particular, find themselves in darkness and oppression. And unfortunately, their circumstances have, to some degree, dictated that for them. But Isaiah's promise of hope is about to change everything. So now, according to verse 2, a light has dawned. And everything about our existence changes because of the unfolding happening before us. God becomes man to save humankind. Where there was once only darkness and despair, there is now hope. That's good news. That's good news. Remember the words of John from chapter 3 of his gospel. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but what? To save the world through him. And don't, don't miss verse 19, my favorite. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. That's good news. Jesus is the light that has come to pierce the darkness. He is our hope. He alone is our hope. He is our only hope. <laughs> and especially, especially now during the season of Advent, Jesus comes by his presence to pierce your darkness and your oppression and bring you hope. We, we've chosen this song, Prepare Him Room, beautiful song that I love, written by Paul and Rita Balash. Prepare Him Room. We, we've chosen this song as our Advent course for the year. We're singing this each week. Uh, we're talking about preparing room in your heart and life to receive the presence of God in a new and a fresh way. Last week, Pastor Dan talked about the need to prepare, right? We are making room for his coming. We're decorating our homes. We're decorating our sanctuary. We are making preparations for his coming. There's an excitement and an anticipation about that. We're making room for his coming presence, and that is why we are filled with hope. Have you been reading the Advent devotional book this week on hope? Oh, my goodness. I love, I love his, uh, he quotes from Zechariah. We are prisoners of hope. We can't do anything but hope. We are so hopeful. We are prisoners of hope. So true. I love that. We are filled with hope. Advent is actually a season of hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing of the coming Messiah we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, last week. To celebrate his birth, which we know has happened and is happening again. We'll celebrate that in a few weeks. And to be alert for his second coming once again. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Christ's coming, while at the same time looking forward to the eager and hopeful anticipation to Christ's coming kingdom in its fullness. That's Advent. That's hopeful. 
during Advent, we, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. It's not a passive waiting. It's, it's, it's not this. <laughs> We're not sitting around twiddling our thumbs. It is an active, assured, hopeful waiting. In a season that's usually marked by frenzied busyness and craziness, Advent is an opportunity to set aside time to prepare our hearts and help us place our focus on a story that is far greater than our own. The story of God's redeeming love for a lost and hurting and broken world. It's not a season of pretending. It's not a season of covering over. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son to be with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is present among us. <laughs> Again, that's more good news. I don't know about you, but that's awfully hopeful for me. Advent is a season of expectation and preparation and opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence more than the focus on presence. For most people during the holiday season, the focus is on P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, wrapped gifts, presents. That's typically the focus for most people. But I challenge you this year to focus on his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E -E. Focus on the coming presence of Christ once again. Be hopeful. Be hopeful for the coming and continuing presence of Christ. The hope of his presence is worth waiting for. The hope of his presence is absolutely worth waiting for. You, you know, there's a difference between a, a, a waiting and hopeful expectation versus just waiting. There's a difference there, right? There, there, there's a big difference between waiting for the birth of your baby rather than waiting on the side of the road to hitch a ride. You see that? One has a sense of promise. One has a sense of desperation. Waiting to be seated in a restaurant is different if you have a reservation than when you don't. Right? One has a sense of confidence. One, a sense of endurance and really the unknown. Waiting for a shot of Novocaine at the dentist's office, very different than waiting for your pie to bake in the oven. Much, much different. Waiting in line at the checkout in Walmart different than the waiting on the phone with the call center in India. There's a difference between waiting in hopeful expectation and just waiting. And in this season of Advent, we are not just waiting. We're not doing this. We're not just waiting. We are waiting in hopeful expectation. We know Isaiah's prophecy. We know the promise. We know the light of the world has come and will return again someday. And because we know this, we are filled with hope. We are prisoners of hope, to quote Scott Daniels. We are filled with hope. Knowing this truth, knowing this truth changes everything. It changes our perspective on our current circumstances as as. As dark and gloomy as many folks' present circumstances are, the hope of Christ can change your perspective on your current circumstances, and it absolutely brings hope. It absolutely brings us hope. Sometimes knowing one truth can change everything. Back in 2009, there was a, there was a new television show on ABC called Flash Forward. Maybe you remember that. It only lasted one season. 
but the premise of the show centered around this mysterious event that caused every person on the planet to simultaneously lose consciousness for exactly two minutes and 17 seconds, during which time people would see what appeared to be visions of their lives six months into the future. A global flash forward, if you will, hence the name of the show. The, the show explored not just the reasons, reasons and causes of the event, but more importantly, how people responded based on their now newfound knowledge of a moment in time in their future. One, one of the characters on the show was Dr. Bryce Varley. He was a surgical intern who before the event, before the blackout, he was on the verge of taking his own life due to a recent stage four kidney cancer diagnosis. But after the blackout, Dr. Varley experiences this renewed will to live and to fight and to seek treatment based upon a woman he sees in his future with whom he is in love and going to marry. That vision for him of his future was a gift. It changed his perspective. It changed everything for him. Knowing that one truth was a gift to him that changed everything. Knowing the truth of the coming of Christ, even the coming of his presence once again this Advent season, it is a gift to us, and it changes everything. In Isaiah's prophecy, we've been given the gift of hope, the hope of his coming presence, and the hope of his presence is worth waiting for. Just as a young child is hopeful for a special Christmas present under the tree on Christmas morning, we can be hopeful for more of his presence to come into our lives this season of Advent. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Are you filled with the hope of his presence coming into your life? Are you continuing to prepare for that? Are you waiting in hopeful expectation for that? I trust that you are. The hope of his presence, not only worth waiting for, the hope of his presence is worth prioritizing for as well. The hope of Christ's presence is something we need to make a priority in our lives and our family traditions. You know, typically this time of the year, we, we begin to hear the question, are you ready for Christmas? And, and I think what's really being asked there is, do you have your Christmas tree up? Did you... Did you put up your Christmas decorations yet? Have you mailed your Christmas cards? Have you finished your Christmas shopping? We see each other coming and going, and so we call it the Christmas rush. Now I understand in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, things may look a little bit different this year, but typically, typically this is what we see during the month of December, right? I heard a story um, of a little girl a few years ago who watched her parents getting ready for Christmas. And to her, it seemed that dad was preoccupied with burdens and deadlines, and mom was just way too concerned about parties and presents, and neither one of them had enough time for her. So one night, kneeling next to her bed, she said this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, please forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. There's something almost oddly appropriate about that. This year, rather than asking the question, are you ready for Christmas? Maybe we should be asking about 
the hope of his coming presence. Are you anticipating that? Are you looking forward to that? Are you ready for that? I see a lot of heads nodding out there, and I agree with you. The people walking in darkness, and that's us. That's not just the 2,700 years ago folks Isaiah was speaking to. That's us as well. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us, a child, us, one is given. That's good news. That's good news. Wally was a seventh grade student who was much bigger than any of the other students in his Sunday school class at church. Wally was also a bit delayed in his mental capabilities compared to the other students, but somehow Wally managed to, to get by okay. Their Sunday school class was, was putting on a Christmas pageant during Christmas that year, and Wally was chosen to play the role of the innkeeper in the Christmas pageant. And, and since the role of the innkeeper is, is kind of the villain in the story, they told Wally to be as mean and nasty as you possibly can be as the innkeeper. Well, the night comes for the pageant, and of course, Mary and Joseph arrive at the end. They, they knock on the door, and, and Wally comes to the door and says, what do you want? Just as mean and nasty as he possibly could sound. And Joseph says, we, we, we need a room. We, we need a place to stay for the night. Do you have anything available? Wally says, no, you'll have to go someplace else. There's no room here, no room at the inn. Again, just as mean and nasty as Wally could possibly sound. Joseph responds, but, but my wife is expecting a baby. Isn't there some place that we can go that's, that's out of the cold and protected and safe and where my wife can deliver her baby? No, said Wally, no room at the inn. And then suddenly there was, there was a silence on stage. And it was kind of one of those embarrassing moments where you knew someone had forgotten their lines. And from behind the curtain, you could hear the prompter saying, Be gone! Be gone! Wally was supposed to speak, but in that scene, he, he kind of got a little choked up and, and forgot his lines. And after a few moments of awkward silence, Wally is able to mutter the words, be gone, be gone. So Mary and Joseph turn to leave, and as Wally blurts out, wait, you can have my room. <laughs> and the crowd busts out in laughter, knowing that wasn't part of the script. So cute. But then slowly, the people start to realize what's going on within Wally, and they start clapping. And eventually, the entire congregation gives Wally a standing ovation. Wally had communicated, perhaps better than anyone else, the real spirit of Christmas. You can have my room, Wally said. You can have my life. That's what God said to us at Christmas. You can have my life. You can have me. I'll give you myself. That is still the greatest gift ever given. And that gift and promise is the one on which we place all of our hope. Because of Isaiah's promise of the coming king in the form of baby Jesus, we 
have incredible hope. And that is good news. Would you receive the benediction this morning? May God fill you with the hope of his coming and continuing presence in Christ this Advent season. Go in the hope of Christ today. God bless you as you go. You are dismissed.